A quick Deal. hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Perna I love that. That is, it feels so special every time you do it. Well, now in my, you are very talented at singing. I'm absolutely not, but if it's okay, I must sing you happy birthday, Jason. So yes, please. I apologize in advance to everyone listening. I cannot sing to save my life, but happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jason. Happy birthday to you. We're also lucky to know you and learn from oh, you. That is so perfect. And I think the point about happy birthday is it's not the skill, the talent, the in-tune, or even in time. It's the sentiment and absolutely nailed it. And I'm so happy that it's you on my birthday recording this episode. Obviously, not the same day that it's being transmitted, but... Perna, we're not here to talk about my birthday. We're here to talk about how to align your content and business goals. Hugely difficult. It would seem so, but it's actually really not. Um, it's so... In fact, sometimes when I tell people this approach that I have created, they're like, no, there's got to be a catch. It's not that easy. Yep. No, it really is. It just takes a little bit of thinking, a little bit of digging down. Um, but yeah. Very, very important, just like branded SERPs. Brilliant. And and I think that's the point is when you say to somebody, here is a solution that's incredibly simple, you've probably got it right. And I think with content and business goals, it means you've understood their business. And we'll dig into that in a moment. Before that, we always start off with the brand SERP. And if you're interested in this, please join the CaliCube Knowledge Panel and Brand SERP Support Group. Your brand SERP is brilliant. You've got knowledge panel cards, you've got a delightful description, but you're known as a columnist. Why do you think that might be? I had it in my bio for a while that I was a columnist for, I used to write for Mars for a while. I used to write for Search Engine Lens, Search Engine Journal. So I wonder if that's still there. It's pulling from my, from my bio. Right, but recently, or in Google Books, you've put your globally recognized content strategist. That's Google right. hasn't picked up on that. And one thing I would argue is the reason it hasn't picked up on it is because you've invented your own title. <laughs> and it's looking that's for something true. it recognizes. Sorry. No, I said, yeah, that, that could be fair. You're the expert. And that's what I, every time <laughs> I see you, I'm like, I'm going to need your help because I have a book coming out. Uh, I have. I need to have a proper consistent bio everywhere. Yeah, and that's hugely tough. And I think people underestimate the fact that that consistency is A, very difficult to do, but B, very powerful. How many books have you got? Well, I just have one book coming out. So my first book comes out July 3rd. It's called High Impact Content Marketing. Right. So Google's ahead of the curve here. Mm -hmm. I thought you'd written like a hundred books. No, it's my first book. I've written hundreds of columns. I've written hundreds Ooh. of texts but, and narratives, but it's my first fully published book. Okay. How long have you been working on that? So it took me about a year to write because I did a whole bunch of research and I'm a very type A perfectionist. And so, yeah, I spent about a year doing really in-depth research, talking to some amazingly brilliant humans who added so much richness and wisdom that I have 
gathered and gleaned and put it all in the book along with everything that I wish I had known the whole time early on in my career. Brilliant. Uh, everything that I learned <laughs> from the School of Hard Knocks, plus from the most brilliant mentors and trial and error at both smaller startups where I worked as well as companies like Microsoft and LinkedIn where, I, where I've worked. Um, right. Yeah, and, and, and that is one interesting point is you learn so much from talking to people and listening to people who know a lot about something you don't know very much about. And that open-mindedness is what brings you to the next level alongside what you already understand and, and work on. Um, I found that with a podcast. The more I mm -hmm. talk to people like you, the more I learn, the smarter I get, the smarter I feel, and the better I actually do what I'm supposed to be doing, <laughs> which is making CaliCube into a business. You are listening to Branded Search and Beyond with Jason Barnard. Now, back to the show. So that leads us delightfully onto the topic, business goals content. Which comes first? Usually people start by asking the question like, oh, well, what do I need to talk about? What do I need to write for my content marketing? What's on there? Then they'll have their list. Maybe they'll look at customers and be like, what do people want to read? What do they need to hear? Then they'll come up with all their content ideas. And then they'll be like, right, well, how am I going to measure this? And it's the most straightforward approach. Of course, people have been doing this for years. It's not wrong. It just, it could be better. And oh. the dangers of just doing it that way, where you think about the content first and what you'll measure and all later, is that you end up like backing into it. You're like, oh, well, you know, I'm publishing this video on YouTube. So obviously views are going to be my big thing. It's like, oh. ah, we don't get the full picture. And then when you try to translate, like, all right, I'm going to get all of these views on YouTube and what's that going to do for my business? And then it gets a little nebulous. But instead... Uh, or that's when poor content marketers, myself in the past included, would be like, well, I just need to turn out another one. I need something for YouTube. I need something for Instagram. I need something for LinkedIn. I need something for everywhere else, my email. And we end up working so much harder than we need to. So I'm very anti-hustle culture. Like, let's work smarter, not harder, as yeah. the cheesy saying going, as the cliche goes. Instead, I say, take, it, uh, take this approach called backward design. Now, Ooh. backward design is a concept that originated in the world of instructional des instructional design of um, adult learning and development theories, where yeah. you so in the traditional like learning and development L and D world, you we've all done a training course at work or something like that. Let's say you want to tell people like you know don't. Um, to respect customer personal identifiable information. So you're like, okay, that's the behavior change, extort it in this way. So you think about what's the outcome you're trying to drive. And then you think, then you work your way back into like, how do I get the message across to have that outcome? So I'm like, well, that's really genius. We can- And it's so simple. It's so simple. So we but, can see that it's literally three phases for content marketing. Ooh. Before you tell the three phases, which I'm hugely interested in now, because anything in threes, I'm interested. Um, number one is I have always done what you were describing, which is create content because I'm super interested and I think everybody else should be interested in this. And they're not, because I'm not leading them anywhere. 
what I'm doing is explaining something I've thought of sitting in a plane or a bus. And I think, oh, this is really cool. And I don't really know where it's going. And then we have that Cali Cube uh, lady called Leanne Summers, who's just started a couple of months ago. And she's completely transformed. And I think she's doing exactly what you're saying, which is looking at what we're trying to get people to, i.e. converting, and then working the content back from there. And I would just be splashing out content because I think it's interesting. Um, so that was a personal note about CaliCube. What are the three steps, stages, approaches? Well, the first one is, no, and you're right, most people do it that way. But when you think about the practical application, you think about the go-do's next, right? Then mm. you get better. So, all right, so let me break down the three steps really quickly. So the, you first start with your business goals. Like, what do you need to do to drive revenue to whether it's grow brand, like what's your goal that you need to hit from a business organizational standpoint. And very often, if marketers are kept in a silo, they don't have that information as much, but it's so important to go down, whether you're a consultant or an agency working with a customer or you're in-house, go up the chain, talk to salespeople, talk to senior leadership, try to figure out what are the company's pillars and every company will have these published somewhere. Figure out what are those pillars that are going to move the needle for you. Because at the end of the day, if we're not successful for the company as a business, where is our budget going to come from in future? But please chime in. No, 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 100%. Sorry, that, that's point one, and it's brilliant. As you said, every business has that written down somewhere. We don't. That's a fair point. Almost everyone, and some don't, but at least you Except know. Kelly Cube, sorry. No, 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 no. Some don't, <laughs> and you're right. No, that was a very important distinction. I shouldn't make generalizations either. It's true. Like Many companies will have them either written down, or you'll have some idea of what you want to do. There will be some clarity, whether it's in your head or not, but let's make things up. So let's just say, for example, one of your goals, Jason, is to grow your email distribution list because you've seen that to be one of your uh, growth channels, right. right? And you'd have that somewhere at the back of your head and you know you're trying to do that. Write it down on paper, like put it down or as you're thinking about it. So let's use an example. Let's take a, um, let's imagine we're all a car company. So we, we work at a car company and this fancy schmancy car company is coming out with a brand new, super smart electric vehicle. So now if I was the car company, my my business goals would be, of course, sell more cars or you know get more cars sold. So I'm like, all right, my goal is really drive up, um, you know, help build the sales funnel or help lead towards that. So that's a business outcome. Then you'll think, what's the action or the behavior change that your audience needs to do that would lead into the action? Because sometimes you may not be able to directly influence the end action, but you could influence something like that. So maybe an audience behavior change that content could influence would be, so that's step two, would be to encourage people or get people excited to come and book a test drive or to go and like configure the specs of the car on the website, right? That's something that content can really influence as a next step. And only then, once you realize like, okay, I wanted to, I want to sell more cars. And one way to do that is to then get more people to come and schedule a test drive. Then we'll go into what your content goals should be. So then you think, all right, well, who is that audience who's going to be most likely to schedule which the test? Which is step three. Yeah, which is step so, three. So can we come back to step two just for a second? Yeah, of course. Because 
something strikes me is uh, somebody we're working with called Igor suggested mm -hmm. to me that at least in our business model, people need to spend seven hours with you in order to feel comfortable to move to step one, i.e. do business with you. So in terms of the car, we would be in a situation where they would have to either test drive, test drive the car, excuse me, read the pamphlet, talk to the salesperson. Would that seem to be something that is a reasonable es estimation? They need to come into your world in step two in order to be able to pass to step one. Um, so step three will bring them into your world. Step two is they Ooh. already want to get them to do at the end. So your ultimate goal, whether they're Sorry. a higher level. So no, you're on the right path. And that's seven so hours. Step two number. and three is this. Steps two and three is that seven hours, whether it's seven hours or 10 hours or three exactly, hours. Exactly, whatever matter. it is, it can vary in some cases. Well, so really, yes, the first thing is you need to be clear about what you're trying to drive. Because very often, sometimes we're like, oh, we'll just publish content. And I could put out something about some brand fancy car technology or like this, why the smart cars are making it safety, cars safer or something like that. That's an interesting post. But how will I know what it's going to do? Like, Is it going to get some people more interested in learning more and going Ooh. there. And then I could get them to want to schedule a test drive, maybe. Um, so it's three steps. So first you think, what do, what do I need as a business to like really fund myself or grow? This next thing is what audience action will mean that they are on the path to, to getting the business outcome. And then it's who am I targeting? Because you're not targeting a super wide net, right? Even with SEO, we've seen that shift where everyone wanted to go after the the highest value keyword with the most volume. And now we realize like that is just such a competitive waste of time. Like go right. for your niche keywords. You don't want like a million, just because a million people search for that keyword doesn't mean it's the right keyword for you. It's the one that gets you the sales. So it's more niche. I mean, so in mm. the same way, you're like, all right, well, who's going to want to come and schedule a test drive? Well, initially it, to get the word out, it could be car enthusiasts. It could be people who have mm. been repeat business. It could be people who are just super like car influencers. These could be the people who talk about it. So my third step will be then who's my audience? What interests them? How will I add value for them? And then you decide what content to even create. You go backwards rather than being like, I want to create this. Now, how will I measure it? It's like, this is what's going to drive my impact. So in this way, you can be really confident that every piece of content you put out is going to go and hit the business goals. It is going to go and have a direct impact uh, in some way or the other. Well, 100%. And, and it does strike me how much I wrote, for example, isn't it interesting how the whole page algorithm works at Bing? And the answer is, yes, it is interesting, but it doesn't achieve any business goal for you, or for me, rather. Uh, so I've written this Bing series of articles about how Bing functions and how potentially Google functions. And I got a lot of engagement, a lot of people reading it, but it drove zero business. And that's because I was starting with step three or step one, which is what do I want to talk about and to whom? Well, I mean, as you said, it could be like one of your business goals could be just to keep your brand, your brand name out there, to build that awareness, to get your reach. <laughs> so if that could be the goal, then you'll just know what you're measuring and then you're not judging it. You won't make, in that case, like you could have gone out and be like, hey, I spent X amount of money promoting this and creating this, but I didn't get any direct sales in the 
two months following it. So it's a failure. It's not a failure. It did actually what you wanted it to do, what it could do. So you're just judging every piece of content for what it can do on its own merit in the right way. Because so often we'll see marketers optimizing in the first two weeks itself, or they'll judge more awareness content with content that's much more like bottom funnel conversion ready by the same lens. And I mean, you can't judge them by the same lens because they're doing different things and you need to have a mix of hmm. both too. And how do you distinguish these different content types and identify what the target is, what the KPI is going to be? So Eugene Schwartz has a really great framework in his book that I believe is called Breakthrough Advertising. He calls it the five stages of awareness. Because he said very often we in marketing, we like to use the funnel because it's an easy rubric and easy framework to keep in mind. Um, but he thinks about it this way. He's like, think about what your audience really needs to know. So it's if you think yeah. about the five stages, one is people are completely unaware that uh, about something to the most aware where maybe they know all about you and what you do. Like maybe, you know, a Coca-Cola. So then next time you're like, Oh, I want my happy meal. Let me get a Coke. You'll know what it does. You know what it does. Or maybe, um, and so there's, it's a spectrum, right? So let's say if I'm completely unaware, let's say I'm a business and I don't even realize that I might have a problem with my customer relationship management, my CRM system. And it may be, a big issue for my business, but I'm just not aware. So sometimes it would be like, hey, did you know like so many CRM are having this kind of issue? Then you talk about maybe they, they now are aware of the problem, but they don't know what solution they can have. They're like, well, you mm -hmm. know, I'm struggling with this. I don't even know my options. And they're like, you know, here, did you know there's like three different ways that you could go help to maybe now they know what the solution is, but they don't know who to go with or who to work right. with. So if you really think about that way, I found that to be, a really amazing framework for thinking about just different shades and angles that you can bring to your content because that can help it. So if you realize that, oh, my goal is I have this, I'm fancy schmancy car company. I'm trying to compete against all of the really like legacy traditional companies, the behemoths that have been there for a while. I will need to gain, you know, awareness and, you know, talk about my, maybe my safety ratings and so mm. on, like some way to stand out or, uh, to prove. So that could be your goal. And so you go back to your business goal is like, I need right. to get some awareness. If you're making a, if you are writing a new book, so like when you were coming out with your book, your brand Serbs book, you know, you want to know, tell people like, here's what this can do for you. Here's the value of reading it because people know who you are, Jason. You're such a well-known, <laughs> well-respected name. So you'd be like, yeah. oh, cool. why should I read Jason's book? And then you're going to do that. So anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> My, my problem with why you should read my book is because I find it really interesting. Uh, not because I wrote good. it. It's a great book. I have it. It's a oh, really good you. book. So, yeah. But I do like Fancy Schmancy, which I haven't heard for a long time. That's really tickled my fancy. Yeah. Um, oh, right. And that all rhymes. But one thing that strikes me is you, you just said five stages of the funnel. And then I was talking to a guy called Joey Coleman who talks about the eight stages of retention and uh, getting clients to become advocates. So we've got five in the funnel, 
eight in the advocacy stage. Five and stages then... of awareness, not necessarily the funnel. The funnel oh, is your sorry. usual idea, whatever you do, but it's more. So it's like people will have different levels of awareness about your business. Mm. So it's some people intimately familiar with CaliCube Tuesdays. Some people, you might be just wanting to reach a brand new audience. So it's awareness. But yeah, there's every, you can break it down in stages. I really I... like Eugene Schwartz's five stages right. of awareness framework. No, it sounds really, sounds interesting. I've got, I've got no idea what it is. I'll have to look it up after this. But then uh, we've been working with uh, Sarah Mokansaye, who found a loop which has four pieces on each side, which is basically the funnel and then that retention. And I found that hugely interesting. And we've written mm -hmm. a white paper. Um, and I call it Sarah's loop, but it's not hers. I can't remember who invented it. Um, but I found that hugely interesting is the idea that when somebody is already a client, they come back around the loop and they then get back into the what we would call the funnel. Um, and I'm wondering about the content on the other side, i.e. once a client is on board, mm -hmm. that's got business goals too. It does. It's so important to keep marketing to people even after they are your customers. In fact, sometimes something I liked or I have liked to do when I was um, working with clients before was I'd say that test some of your new content with some of your existing mm. customers because they know you so well. So that could be a really great place. Test different offers. Ask them what they'd be interested in seeing next to give you some kind of idea. So I don't know if you know Jeff Sauer of Jeffalytics. He is uh, so brilliant. What he does mm. with his email list is so genius. He'll... <laughs> So he, before developing a product or a course or something, he'll ask his audience, hey, what would you really want to do for, what would you want to consume? And so yeah. then he'll get that feedback and then he'll go build it rather than building everything first without so. And you will have an existing audience to send it out to. And then you could almost try it out. You could, the biggest thing that I talk about with your existing customers is find the type, find the sub-segment sub of those people who you would really want to have more of, right? Not all right. customers are going to be the same, right? Some will, you know, evangelize you more. They'll be shouting about the rooftops from you. Some will spend more. Some will be loyal. You know, some are great. Who's the type of Ooh. customer you'd have more of? And then you'd want to talk to them. What do they like about you? Why did they convert? What do they, uh, what do they wish they knew about you before starting all of these questions, if you can ask them, you can create better content that would attract more people like them. Right. And that was actually going to be my question is saying, if I interview these people, I understand what it is they were looking for, what their pain points are, what we solved, then we can create content that not only helps them feel reassured, perhaps, and avoid the post-purchase regret, I think it's called but also create content for bottom of funnel where people are trying to make that decision and the content that will tip them over and bring them onto our, in, into our clientele. Exactly. You, they will be great for that, but also because you should, you show them that you value them and you mm. make them feel special. You make them feel engaged. Like you almost build and foster and nurture that community. And that's going to be one of the ways that's increasingly important in our creative uh, economy to differentiate yourself. Everybody and their mother is creating content from all corners of the world on all topics. So like, yeah. How do you stand out? And very often, especially now in this very competitive space where, you know, mm. there's millions of new startups, everything. There's sometimes a differentiation between two offerings isn't 
that material. It's almost like, who do you prefer? Um, right. And I, I had the experience where I was asked very kindly, but quite enthusiastically by some partners, uh, Sveta and Igor, to interview CaliQ Pro agencies. And my honest reaction was, I'm kind of scared what they're going to say to me. And that overcoming that fear and saying to a client, tell me honestly, how do you feel about the platform? Was hugely difficult. Yeah, it is. It's so hard because you're so close to it emotionally too. And then when you go in sometimes, and that's human tendency mm. to always give 10x more importance to one negative thing and then completely ignore <laughs> the 20 billion other good positive things. So yeah, uh, it's yeah. hard. I'm so glad that you do it, Jason. That's such an inspiration to others. Go in and then almost, I say, like take five minutes, do deep breathing before and just yeah. prepare yourself <laughs> mentally before you go into those conversations uh, to just and, listen. Yeah, and they also said, learn to shut up, which I don't do particularly well. But once somebody starts talking, even if it's negative, let them keep talking because they're going to teach you so much. And it does allow you, and this comes back to the content creation, it's allowed us to understand what content we need to create for the bottom of funnel mm -hmm. because we know what people care about. Exactly. And the other important part about talking to your customers is so you get much more reliable mm information so now uh, did you, i'm not sure if you read this in the bbc there was such a fun bbc article a while ago that was talking about just personas and um and their flaws and they asked this question they said okay you're targeting a gentleman who's a, a rich older british gentleman who has multiple houses multiple millions two marriages kids loves wine you know fine wine country estates driving around would you create the same content for both people? Now, most people would be like, oh, yeah, they like fine wine. They like, yeah. you know, fancy cars. They like, you know, country activities, rich, etc." Sounds close, like born in the same decade. Like they should be the one. But mm. then it's like, well, if you say one's King Charles and one's Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> who gave me that description. I love that. Oh, that's brilliant. Is that in your book? I did put it in my book, but it's the credit to the BBC. It was a really good BBC article that came out a few years ago. I'm like, ever since I saw or I read it, it just stuck in my mind. I'm like, it's so funny. And it's mm. true. Like we think personas are enough and that's important information that we know about their marriage and life, so on. But I would probably wager a bet that Ozzy Osbourne and King Charles are probably, probably maybe consuming <laughs> some different types of content. And so if you ask them a different things about some of their motivations or uh, some of their th uh, some of their reasons for buying their pain points etc it would be a little different and you'd get a more holistic perspective absolutely brilliant I think we can we can end the discussion on Prince Charles and Ozzy Osbourne which is the best thing I've heard in a super <laughs> long time and ask you the last question how does aligning your content to your business goals help with branded search because this podcast is called a branded search and beyond dun, 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 <laughs> with Jason Barnard. Well, what it does is once you have aligned your content with your business goals, you can identify the right audience actions and then the right audiences who'd be most willing to take that action. 
And so in that sense, you'd be better able to create content that's much more relevant, much more interesting, much more valuable for those targeted audience segments. And as a result, you'd get a lot more engagement. Your content would be a lot more effective. It'll get trust, all of which would help it get more engagement and reach and show up more in your branded search results and help you with your brand trust and presence. That was possibly the most concise and helpful branded search and beyond, uh, what are we calling it, knowledge nugget. Oh, my gosh. I'm not known for my conciseness because I could (laughs) – Jason, you and I, we could chat all day. We're such two peas in a pod right there. We could indeed. Thank you so much, Perna. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Now we're going to present next week Tonya Eberhardt and Michael Michael Carr, two – delightful people. For once on CaliCube Tuesdays, we're having two people. That's never happened before, and it will probably never happen again. Change how you're seen and charge what you're worth. They are smart, delightful, and as with you, Perna, I could speak to them all day, every day. Please pass the baton. I am so thrilled to pass the baton to Tonya Everhart and Michael Carr from Brandface, who I am so excited for this episode. I can't wait to watch it. I have scoured their website. I've read some of their posts before. I have learned so much, and I'm really looking forward to it. Good luck, Tonya and Michael. Thank you. Oh, and you're wishing them luck. And thank you, everybody, for watching. You get the outro song from me. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Purna, and happy birthday to me. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Cali Cube. It's all about your brand, Serp.